Hey, ProducerCast family. Welcome to episode 104 of ProducerCast, where we turn producers into pros. I'm your host, Andrew, and today I have a question for you. Are your songs loud enough? I'll be honest, this question was an obsession of mine for years, and I used to always ask this question, and I did some like really stupid stuff trying to make my songs louder, and I want to help you avoid those mistakes and share with you what I've learned about the role that loudness really plays in music. So we'll be back after this quick message from our sponsor ask the question and answer the question, are your songs loud enough? So when I first started out producing, loudness wasn't even on my radar as an issue. And the really interesting thing is I got about five years into producing and somewhere along the way, I just really kind of lost some of, I think, my natural initial sort of focus and energy that would go into songs that really inspired me to do the best I could every single time, even with the limited skill set that I had when I first started. And I noticed about five years into my journey as a music producer that the songs I was making when I was just starting out were louder than the songs that I was making five years in. And like, you know, they, they were objectively sonically louder like that doesn't necessarily mean the songs were as good like you know i think my beats were more interesting five years in you know there was a lot to be said for what was going on five years in but they weren't loud right and i freaked out like that that really upset me i I couldn't explain why my songs weren't loud and i just went on this uh wild goose chase trying to figure out how to make songs loud how do i make it as loud as the songs i hear on the radio i'm trying i'm sitting here trying to create professional albums. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to create beats that uh, are as loud as what I hear on the radio, as good as what I hear on the radio, as good as the most popular music out there. Like that was the goal, right? And so I'm sitting there trying to figure out why are my beats not loud? Like my beats are interesting. My beats are cool. My sound selection is unique, but it's not loud. And the truth is, is I'd spent years learning beat making, but I'd spent almost no time really boiling down mixing and mastering to principles you know like i understood them as concepts and i had a variety of tools at my disposal and i had an understanding of those tools but the actual meta process of mixing and mastering was pretty foreign to me and uh there's not a lot of great resources on the internet for these things i mean there's tons of resources and it's awesome that there are so many resources but the amount of resources that it really takes consuming over a prolonged period of time to get to the point where it becomes second nature you know it's it's a mix of learning and practice that really gets you to the point of being able to consistently make songs loud without much effort like i don't really think about mixing and mastering all that much at this point and i pretty consistently get good results like you know i have to think about it i have to be conscious i have to consciously make decisions in a practical manner but I don't have to stress about it, right? And when I was stressing about it, I was making really bad decisions just to make my songs louder, right? So here I am, I have like 80 beats that I've been working on for the past year, and I realize all of them aren't loud enough. And I took the easy route out, and I regret this, you know, I I, not one of those beats has been placed or used in any context that, that was beneficial to me. And I think I'd I, like they're gone at this point. I deleted all the session files and stuff off my my Mac, and I, I operate primarily off a of PC now. So you know, like th- there was really no benefit in this, and I think I really spoiled a, a lot of great music by basically stressing out about loudness. What I did is I went through each session file. I slapped a limiter on it because, you know, I, I went to Reddit and this is the thing is like Reddit can be a good resource. These, these blogs, these forums, they can be good resources. 
you can also make serious mistakes if you, if you take something out of context or like, you know, if you just run with one thing or, you know, Reddit like gives everyone a voice. Like, you know, I, I assume that somebody who writes a blog post on music production has like some semblance of goodwill and research and experience. Reddit, like anyone can just hop into the conversation and say whatever they want, right? And so on Reddit, you know, you hear stuff like, well, you could throw five sound goodizers on it and that's going to make your track louder. And like, obviously that's a joke, but then you see somebody who says, well, you can brick wall limit it and that will make it louder. So I went through, I, I fell for that. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have any concept of mastering beyond that. And like, in some ways, brick wall limiting is better than no mastering, but like brick wall limiting on tracks that were basically mixed without technique. I'll say like they were mixed well enough by ear, you know, and, and I had the technique of like understanding how an equalizer works, how a compressor works, but I didn't really have a whole lot of framework for mixing and context. And I really think that like, you know, the, the first step is learning the tools, you know, the more you can learn the tools, the better. Once you can begin to really develop your own frameworks of mixing and mastering, you're going to see better results. And, and that's really too complicated of a discussion for here. You know, I mean, I, I've shared a lot of my own personal frameworks for this around signal flow and loudness on previous episodes, right? So, so there's a lot of content there. I'll probably eventually condense it down even into some more kind of efficient method of delivery. I definitely will do that. And, um, you know, I just have to find the time for that, but I know that's something that will add a lot of value to the producer community. Anyways, you know, I, I took these brick wall limiters and put them on every single one of my beats that I'd been working on for the past year at that point and basically spoiled every single track. Like, you know, like what there was there was spoiled by this obnoxiously aggressive mastering technique that, you know, like and limiters do end up on my tracks, but I use them in a very specialized context like it's always at the end of my mastering chain after i've done other things to really enhance what i want to do and then that limiter is just doing some very subtle peak control and very subtle volume boosting right and i'm not even using like a standard limiter you know i was using the the logic pro limiter which is like pretty straightforward limiter you know the, the limiter i i go to my go-to limiter now is generally waves l1 ultra maximizer plus which it is a lot more than just a standard limiter. You know, there, there's more tweakability there and it's really built for the context of adding that extra little bit of volume. So, you know, like there, there is something to be said for having techniques to make the track louder, but like, you know, just aggressively trying to make it louder can have very adverse results. You know, I mean, if you're making a genre that like relies more on kind of, you know, that crunchy, distorted, not very clear effect. And I mean, that that is out there. Like, you know, that that's kind of, some of what like SoundCloud rap is. I don't even think that's really what metal is. You know, like metal and even like the best trap metal out there often has more of a framework to it than just smashing it, right? You know, like smashing it can be fun. You know, like some, some of the most fun things, if you go to my SoundCloud right now, it, like there's like nothing on there. Like I, I said this earlier this week, I, I've pretty much neglected SoundCloud at this point. But, um, you know, if you go to my SoundCloud, like one of the tracks on there is literally just me having fun smashing the audio to make it as loud as I possibly can and like there's not much else going on there and it was just for fun like you know I don't even think it's really a good song it, it was just fun and so like you know it, it, if your goal is to have fun with it playing with that and like learning what happens when you smash a track you know that that, that can be fun right um, but you know beyond that like you know I, I really think it does benefit you to have frameworks to really understand the process of mixing and mastering and understanding the tools, you know, like figuring out where an EQ can really benefit 
your track to make it louder right you know like some of my favorite techniques with this are things like filtering you know I, I love to filter out the low end on every sound that doesn't need low end which is most sounds you know like kick and bass are generally the only things that have any action under 150 hertz in my tracks and that cleans up the tracks and uh you know, even if you're making an, like like metal, you know, if you're making metal, you still want to clean up the tracks. You don't want mud. You, like you want distortion. Distortion and mud are not the same thing. Mud is really just not a pleasant thing to have in audio. And, and what I'm referring to by mud is the region of b below like 200 hertz where sounds might just have like a little bit of transient action, a little bit of extra noise going on in that region but it doesn't really belong there right so like a kicker or a bass is really defined in that region and that's where its fundamental frequencies are going to lie are, are going to be in that region under 200 hertz right but it, you know if you're like playing a lead melody on a synthesizer and the fundamental frequencies might be like somewhere up in like the 5000 hertz range or the, the 5 kilohertz range right and if you have anything going on below 200 hertz, it's just going to be muddy, like potentially even up to like 800 hertz, right? You know, I, I usually will uh, high pass filter, so like cutting off the low end up until the point where I hear an audible dif difference. Like, you know, if it like once it starts to affect the character of the sound, then I roll it back. But um, so like, you know, that, that's how I know that I, I've pushed it too far. And once you push it too far, you bring it back to where you haven't pushed it too far. And it's not going to change the character of your sound at all that way. You know, you're still going to have this awesome lead sound that you wanted to have, but it frees up all this extra space in your frequency range. And it's, it's a much more efficient mixing technique. So for me, like, you know, understanding EQ is really all about efficiency. And then, you know, like when I think about, uh, lots of effects, you know, I'm really thinking about efficiency in the context of the frequency spectrum, like even compression, I try to think of in a context of like, how is this affecting the frequency spectrum, right? Because it, this is a helpful way to think about it, right? Your high frequencies are your most efficient frequencies, right? But like, they can also be piercing. So you, like, you know, you don't want to have a song that's just all high frequency. And I've made that mistake before too, and figuring out loudness and obsessing over loudness. Like really obsessing over loudness is one of the most dangerous things you could do, but understanding loudness is super valuable. So, so understand, but don't obsess is really the, the core message here. Um, so, you know, like if you think about, and it, in the spirit of understanding, right? If you think about the frequency spectrum, your high frequencies on a physical level, these are shorter waves. They're shorter, more powerful waves. This means that you get more bang for your buck with high frequencies than you do with low frequencies. And low frequencies, it takes more power to actually make it audible. These are longer, more powerful waveforms, you could think of them as, but because they're longer, they're less efficient in terms of the actual physical constraints of your mix and master. So you want to essentially work all of these frequencies together across the whole frequency spectrum where you're able to get the most efficiency in each area, right? So like, you know, when I think about like, you know, how can I make a bass punch more? I'm thinking about like, you know, how can I saturate this in such a way? How can I compress this in such a way that it makes more use of higher frequencies than just what is initially in that ultra low frequency range? Or um, thinking about like, you know, 
can I make the base punch more just by clearing out that mud from the tracks that don't even belong in that range that's just wasting tons of space in the mix? Like, I mean, if you want to make more impact with your EQ than ever before and, like, you, you've kind of gone at EQ blindly or, like, you spend tons of time EQing, I'll be honest with you, and I've seen this before. Like, I've seen this with, with producers like Casey Supreme, like, you know, big producers. Uh, I, I do this myself. You know, this, this is just kind of my standard EQ technique is – to just roll off the low end you know like anywhere the low end doesn't belong roll it off filtering is generally going to be like 10 times more efficient and effective than eqing blindly and really i i'd say 80 percent of the potential benefit of eq comes from filtering that, that's my hot take for the day but i i really do stand by that is like you know if you can just filter effectively and clean up the mix through filtering, that's where 80% of the benefit of equalization is going to come from. So, you know, all this being said, you know, I, I just want to share a little bit of kind of my techniques and eventually I really do want to dive more into creating a full framework to, and I will dive into creating a full framework that really explains these processes and concepts more in depth with a more systematic approach. But I didn't want to just leave you with like, don't obsess over loudness and understand loudness and then not talk about some of the important concepts to understand when it comes to loudness. So uh, that physical framework, you know, the, the physical framework, like that's not really so much a mixing and mastering framework as it's like a scientific framework. But, uh, you know, it, if you can understand loudness and it's kind of scientific basis, that will give you leaps ahead in figuring out, it, it will like, you know, set you much further ahead in figuring out how to apply a framework that allows you to make tracks louder consistently while actually enhancing the character of the track. Like, you know, I'd rather have a track that sounds great than is super loud. And every track really demands a different level of loudness when it's mixed and mastered well. That's kind of my personal philosophy about loudness. But, you know, I, I think that there's a, kind of an optimal volume uh, or at least an optimal perceived volume for every track and you kind of have to feel the energy of the track to figure out how to mix and master it but the more that you can understand loudness the more that you can basically make the track as good as possible while making it at the loud standard of modern popular music so that's just about it for today's episode of producer cast but no discussion of this topic would be complete without at least paying lip service to the loudness war and i actually want to go beyond just paying lip service here because Honestly, like on the internet, you'll find so much negativity about the detrimental sides of the loudness war. So I actually want to take a moment to appreciate some of the positive that comes out of the loudness war. One, it forces people to consider engineers, producers, artists to consider how well their track stands up against the kind of popular standard of higher quality tracks or like, you know, better mixed, better engineered tracks. And, you know, those are somewhat subjective terms. You know, I, I really do think there there is a, a level of objectivity to it in terms of like, was a track really mixed and engineered and mastered with care and with skill or was it not? And like, that's really the kind of objective standard there because I, I don't think that you could really say that there's like a right or wrong way to mix master engineer a track right but uh there, there definitely is an objective standard of how loud it is for example and, and i think that that was kind of a way for producers and engineers to distinguish themselves as really you know like high quality is that you can make a sound you can make a song pop within the mix and master and really make it loud right and I think that that's kind of something that's been 
lost on the computer music generation a bit. And, you know, I, I grew up in, in this as well. You know, I got my, my first experience with music production was in digital audio workstations. I, I didn't really have a whole lot of experience with the, the hardware side. You know, I DJed for a bit on, on vinyl. And other than that, you know, I've been in like Logic, Machine, Ableton, FL Studio, Garage Band, like, you know, using all the digital applications my whole life, right? So, um, you know, it, it's not a matter of like, you know, how high of quality gear you have, you know, I, I don't have uh, $100,000 of compressors to run music through, but I can still make music that's loud, right? And that still sounds good. Like, you know, th there's technique to it beyond just the gear, like the gear is cool. You know, I think there's, there are things that, you know, like somebody like Mike Dean can do on just the, the crazy gear collection he has. Uh, that, that really, you know, do make for some of the craziest songs out there today. Like, you know, Franchise by Travis Scott, the, the work that Mike Dean on that track is stunning. But here's the thing, though. It's not about Mike Dean's gear. Like, you know, they, they, I think they could have made an equally popular and awesome track on a laptop with like a couple thousand dollars of plugins or even with stock plugins, you know, like they're a very talented team right and th that's really what it comes down to is the individual skill of the producer like it's not so much about the loudness war of who can make the loudest track so much as just who's making the best track for the popular music listener and as the technology developed as i think the frameworks developed as well the more that it just kind of was a byproduct of loudness and then you know like the the best engineers at the time are constantly pushing the envelope further like in, in terms of things like you know how clean is the audio how efficient is the audio that's really what the top engineers are thinking about you know that's what like Mike Dean is looking at, or, or uh, I'm sorry, Jack Joseph Quigg, you know, like somebody who's very obsessive about the stereo field, right? And stereo width, like, you know, they're really doing all sorts of metering and monitoring to make the audio as efficient as possible. You know, I mean, th these guys invented, like, you know, the, especially the people at Waves really invented a lot of the techniques for analyzing audio and very powerful ways and so you know the byproduct of that sort of analysis and that sort of production and engineering is louder music but then the the negative side of the loudness war is that others try to catch up like myself through brick wall limiting right and uh the best thing that you can do as a producer is to move past obsessing over loudness and understanding it right like and and i really do think that this is so key because you know once i stopped brick wall limiting and started actually learning how to mix and master that made a huge difference like i, I mean it really transformed my workflow and it took me 10 years to get to the point where i, I felt like i could consistently make a good mix and master with my frameworks and I want to save you that misery, which is why I'm sharing, you know, my, my mistakes in this area, because I know that can really help you save a lot of time and misery and mistakes like obsessing over loudness, but instead seeking to understand it, understanding the, the science and physics behind it, as well as the different mixing and mastering frameworks out there. I'd encourage you to really dive into every educational resource you can find on this and don't just accept like one thing as the solution, but experiment. You know, it's like 
it, it really is the scientific method for you to develop your own framework. And I wish that I discovered this sooner instead of assuming it was intuition. Like, you know, production is a lot more intuition. Beat making is a lot more intuition. Engineering is really a science. And, and I think if you can get that mindset and really treat it with the scientific method to discover how to make great mixes and masters the the sooner that you'll get to the point where you can do that consistently and then you know the loudness just becomes a byproduct of your overall mixing and mastering framework so that's all i really have to say on this topic for today i mean we talk about mastering a lot on this show but i I wanted to really dive deep specifically into this anyways god bless i'll hear you next time